Good morning, everyone. Happy Midwife Monday. Um, before we get started, I want to acknowledge that today is 9-11, which is uh, National Remembrance Day, I believe they've named it. And as a native New Yorker, New York is my hometown, um, we just want to take a minute and acknowledge um, what today means for everyone and, uh, and the deep sadness that today brings for many people around the world. So um, there's that. Uh, never forget. Um, so speaking of things that can go wrong, things that maybe are um, dangerous, emergency protocols, things like that, we thought we would open up the birth center today and turn the lights on and have you take a look at the things that we do here at the birth center to make sure we're doing the best we can to keep our mothers and our babies safe in the event of an emergency. The number one question we get when people come in and do a uh, free one-hour consult, as many of you know, when you're interested in birthing out of hospital and you have questions, we always set up a private one-hour consultation that is at no cost to you to sit down with anyone that will be helping you make the decision of where you want to have your baby. So we invite you to come in and we sit down and the number one question we get is, um, well first, the pregnant person usually comes in and says, oh my gosh, it's so pretty, I really want to have my baby here, it feels so good. There's sort of this real warm, yummy feeling and um, we tend to um, focus on that a lot of times when we're pregnant, of like, oh, this feels really good. And then partners, family members will come in and say, okay, yeah, it's pretty and all, but what about, what if there's an emergency? How much does it cost? And what do we do if there's an emergency? How quickly can we get to a hospital? What if something goes wrong? And so we answer those questions all the time. So we thought we would just show you today, um, not just the pretty video of what our beautiful birth center looks like, because we all know that it's beautiful and all that yummy stuff, but what do we actually do? And, and how do we actually set up this room? And how do we handle emergencies? So first, um, there are always two licensed midwives at every birth. And that means that when the baby is born and while you're laboring, there are two people that have a license in the room that are able to take care of you. So before the baby's born, that's two providers to one patient. And then when the baby is born, we have one license for each patient, one on the mom, one on the baby. In the event that there's something going on with the baby, you know, maybe your baby's not breathing well at birth, which is unlikely, um, but it is certainly something that we look at. Look at Because two of the biggest concerns with an out-of-hospital birth is what if the baby doesn't breathe? And what if the mother bleeds? Those tend to be the two biggest concerns. And um, every midwife here is trained in neonatal resuscitation, basic life support. And we also have an advanced training called advanced life support in obstetrics. We're also trained in advanced fetal monitoring. So we're monitoring you throughout the pregnancy. We're listening throughout the pregnancy and then in labor, we're listening to your baby's heartbeat every 15 minutes in active labor. And we're trained in advanced fetal monitoring so we know what we're listening for. So hopefully we can identify if there's a problem before the baby is born and take the appropriate actions and transport to a local hospital if there happens to be a reason to go in and we want to go in before there's an emergency. So uh, we're, we're pretty conservative practitioners here at the birth center. Um, so we would rather go into the hospital in a non-emergent way and have a great vaginal delivery versus waiting too long and now having to call 911 and having more of a drama. 
So we, we tend to call if there's a problem. Um, we will call if there's a problem. And that's why we like to listen frequently every 15 minutes in active labor. So um, assuming that there is, let's, let's take the scenario of, oh my gosh, there's a problem here. Um, so I wanna show you what we have. First of all, we have a, uh, a hospital, which is right down the street. It's about half a mile down the street. Um, so we could call 911 and we would transport right away to our local hospital. Um, if we weren't calling 911, we would transport in a personal vehicle. And that means we'd call ahead to the hospital and say, hi, it's Renee from the birth center. This is what I have, we'll be coming in. We get in the car, we drive to this other hospital and we're generally a direct admit. They say, oh, hi, what do you have? This is what we have, here's a room. And the obstetrician is called and uh, we transfer care that way. So um, this is what it looks like when, um, when you come into the birth center, you come in and this is the room. Obviously many of you have seen this room before. Um, the only thing we do is we take off the pretty green comforter and, um, and then we set up. So I'm going to walk over here to this side of the bed. So when you come in, the first thing that happens is I usually get here or one of the midwives get here before you do. And we have a checklist and this makes sure that we set up our room properly. We are a nationally accredited birth center. So we have policies and procedures and protocols we need to follow. Um, and the first is, did we set up our room properly? So we have a checklist. So anybody that walks in here can say, okay, yep, I got the bed ready. I re-sanitized the tub. We sanitize the tub after every birth, but then when we come in for the birth, we re-sanitize it just in case to make sure that it's super clean. We re-sanitize, we turn our oxygen tank on, we check our delivery trays, we make sure we have a pulse oximeter in the room, we make sure our towel warmer is on and ready with warm blankets for the baby, our laundry is set up, and um, the room temperature is appropriate. All of those things are set up. So we have our checklist, and um, we check off our checklist. So we make sure, okay, great, I got everything set up, and then normally I bring in my laptop, I turn it on, and I chart that this mother's on her way in. We also do a chart review at 36 weeks to make sure that we have all of our labs present, all of our ultrasounds are present. Mom has been assessed and she remains a good candidate to birth out of hospital. We note her blood type and her GBS status and any allergies and any pertinent information. We review that chart before the mom gets here so we know when we're ready, if we have to run antibiotics, what her allergies might be, put away the latex glove and take out the non-latex gloves, whatever it is that's unique to you as a laboring person. So we bring in our laptop and then we set up our, um, our delivery tray. So we restock after every single birth, so we're ready. If you come in complete and pushing, I am ready for you. My tray is already preset. So in this dresser, this lovely bedside table, we have all of our emergency equipment. So we just pull out our delivery tray. And in our delivery tray, we have um, all of our gloves and gauze, and we have right here in the tray, we have two types of anti-hemorrhagics. We have Pitocin and we have misoprostol that are here in our delivery tray. We have another medication that we keep in our refrigerator that is directly outside that door. We have a med fridge um, that we keep our Rogam in, we keep our Methogen in, we keep our glucose um, for our GTT testing in there as well. Um, so we have our Doppler, we have Doppler gel, a thermometer, 
our stethoscope specific to listen to the baby after the baby's born, um, anti-hemorrhagics, gloves, alcohol, cord care, all that stuff. We also have in here, we have um, what's called a Dili, and this is a um, special suctioning device. If the baby were to be born and having a hard time clearing its own airways, and we weren't getting good respiratory effort, we're gonna, what we call, drop a Dili. And this is just a tube, just similar to the hospital. The difference is we both have Dili's, but the hospital has um, suction through a machine on the wall. Um, we have suction with our mouth, which sounds super gross, but it's really not, because there's a trap here. So we like suck on one end. None of the gunk is gonna get into my mouth, thankfully. And, um, but we can suction the baby with this Dili with our mouths. So this is a Dili mucus trap. So we have one of these. We also have a um, bladder catheter at the ready. In the event um, mom is bleeding after the baby's born, one of the first things we wanna do is make sure her bladder is empty to make sure her uterus can stay contracted. So if we have to, we'll put a quick bladder catheter in, you know, put it in through the urethra, empty that bladder real quick. Um, so that is right here as well, and um, that's what's really important. Uh, we have our oxygen tank key, because we turn our oxygen tanks on at the ready for every birth, so our O2 is ready to go, um, and that's in here. Um, we also have some homeopathics, we have ibuprofen, we have chlorhexidine, we have um, epinephrine, uh, in the event mother is having an anaphylaxis or the baby for some reason needs epinephrine, we carry epinephrine in our drawers for emergency use that are right here at the ready as well. And, um, and then we have in our bottom drawer, we have, that's where we keep our super emergency stuff. So in this drawer, we have our oxygen masks. We have a mask for mom. We have a bag and a mask for a baby. So we have an Ambu bag. So in case we have to do a resuscitation on the baby, we have an Ambu bag. And we have our tubing if we have to, if room air is not enough, again, we're trained in neonatal resuscitation, but if we have to go to oxygen, we're gonna have our pulse ox. So if a baby's having a hard time breathing, we're gonna put a pulse oximeter on this baby's um, right hand, and um, we're gonna check the baby's oxygen levels. And if the baby's not oxygenating well, with room air, we're gonna to switch to our oxygen tank, which is right over there in the corner of the room. But we have our Ambu bag. We have an oxygen mask for mom, tubing. We also have um, a variety we have, which we have never used before. We have a Lorengo mask, and we have a Lorengo scope in the event a baby has to be intubated. Um, we have never intubated a baby. I hope never ever to intubate a baby. Um, that is a special skill and we like to keep that for the special respiratory therapists that are very trained at intubation. We also have, um, we have our antibiotics and we have a little cheat sheet on here in case some midwife comes in and she forgets what antibiotics are appropriate. We have little notes here. We have clindamycin, cefazolin, ampicillin, and whatever antibiotics would be appropriate for a mother if she were GBS positive. Um, or for some other reason that she might need antibiotics. So we have everything set and ready with our catheters, our antibiotics, our IV tubing is all right here. And then we have another container that has our emergency IV equipment in it. So we just pull this out, we're ready with a full setup. Again, catheter, IV tubing, liter bag of IV fluid, everything that we would need. And we have an IV pole so we can quickly, that's why there are two people in the room, 
One midwife would be assessing if there was a bleed, assessing what's going on. We have our protocol. We would load 20 units of pit, give the mother Pitocin, pull the IV pullover, drop a bag, spike the bag, get an IV in her arm, methogen, mesoprostol, whatever the protocol is that we're using. But um, we have all of that right here. Um, super handy dandy. So we don't have to be going into the other room to grab it. We have two people. Often there may be three people. There might be a third person just charting. Um, so it's all super accessible and, um, you know, right at our fingertips and it's all right there. We also have, um, we have some mnemonics where we keep our, like these are little cheat sheets that we keep in the event someone, you know, we're reviewing, if we're anticipating a shoulder dystocia or we're anticipating a hemorrhage, someone can just pull our little, um, advanced life support and obstetrics, um, mnemonic reference card. And we can look at these and go, oh, right, yeah, if I have a dystocia, right, those are the things I'm going to do, right, right, right. Oh, yeah, by manual compression, or what am I going to do if there's a hemorrhage? So we just keep this here as a reference, and it's super handy. It's in our check. When we check in, we can review our emergency protocols. And it's always good to review because we rarely, rarely, rarely ever have these emergencies. So it's really important, since we're not using that skill every day, that before every birth, we review our emergency drills. We make sure, right, I know how to do resuscitation, right, I know how to do that IV, right, I know what I'm gonna do if there's a hemorrhage, I know what I'm gonna do for X, Y, and Z, and um, there you go. So it's, uh, we're always reviewing these things in our mind because again, we don't get to practice these things in real life. We're not actually doing them because they're so rare. Um, and then I'm gonna swing around to this side, and this is just simple, this is our IV, we're gonna roll this over and this is what we hang our IV bag on. We spike our IV bag and this is portable, it rolls. We can make it super high to make it run faster. We can drop it down and run it slower. Um, what we do not have here that they do have in hospitals, they have pumps that they can make the water, the fluids drip at a certain rate. We don't have that because we rarely use it. So if we're running IV fluids, we are opening that bag and we're going, we're bolusing. We're like, we're going to run 500 mils in super quick because obviously we're using this for an emergency situation. Um, and then we'll slow down the drip. We will run antibiotics and we'll run them in a very small bag. We won't run it through a liter bag. We'll run it through a small little bag. Um, so mom does not have to be attached to an IV if she is GBS positive. Um, we do not connect women to IVs throughout their labor if it's an uncomplicated birth and if we're only doing uncomplicated births, right? So there's no reason why you need IV fluids throughout your labor if you can self-hydrate. If for some reason you can't keep anything down and you're vomiting throughout your entire labor and we're concerned that you're dehydrated, we're gonna run a bag of fluid. Um, but if you can't, if you, you, should, you should be able to self-hydrate if you're birthing out of hospital. Um, then we have our oxygen tank. Again, it's portable, it wheels. And so we can just pull this tank out if we need it. it. Has a regulator on it. We're all trained in how to use it. It's a full tank. We also have backup tanks in the event, uh, which has never happened, that we run out of oxygen at a birth. It's never happened before. We have two more tanks right in the closet, right outside the door. We have a tank in the other room, and each midwife has a tank in their car. Um, so for home births, everything you see here 
we have a duplicate set of everything, IV fluids, IV antibiotics, emergency equipment, that whole delivery tray um, in our car. We have our home birth bags that have everything in it. Um, so if we have to quickly deploy to a home, mom's calling saying, hey, I'm not gonna make it. I'm not gonna get in the car. There's no way I can get in the car. We say, stay where you are. It's safer for you to stay at home and we will come to you. And everything that you see here is always in our car. Um, we also have a fancy light, which is this little guy back here. Uh, because we can suture. So in the event there's some trauma to your perineum and we feel like it needs to be repaired, we do repair first degree and second degree tears here. Um, so we have lidocaine. So yes, we will numb your tissue before we stick a needle in it. Well, before we stick suturing in it. So we will. We actually have a topical lidocaine to help numb the, the superficial part of the skin. Then we can inject you with lidocaine, make sure you're nice and numb. Then we have a variety of sutures that we use and we're all trained in suturing. So we would uh, do any kind of repair to the perineum that's needed. Um, our tub is super fancy. We do have a tankless hot water heater. So these are big, giant tubs. I you know, was remodeling my bathroom a couple of years ago and I thought, oh my gosh, I want one of these tubs in my bathroom. These are great. And then I was informed that my hot water heater could not possibly fill up this gigantic tub. So we have a tankless hot water heater here, so we will never run out of hot water. Um, the tub has lights so that we can keep the fluorescence off and just have nice ambient lighting. And we have plenty of visual, um, oh, our visual needs are met with these lights right in here, so we don't have to do anything fancy. So let's see if you can see that. Those are our beautiful lights, so we don't have to turn the big bright lights on um, and this is really super great and we have a cleaning protocol I talked about that in the beginning of this little video um, so we will spray this tub down after we bleach it we then spray it down with um, the special spray stuff that kills HIV hepatitis B like all the stuff that hospitals have that clean and sterilize everything um, we check the temperature, and we, again, this is part of accreditation, so we have to chart the temperature of this water every hour that a mother is in it. So we love hot baths. We think all women, um, all pregnant people should be taking a hot bath, and it's really great for you. So we keep the temperature at about 100 degrees, not above 100. Remember, your body temperature is 98.6. So 99 degrees is, you know, kind of your body temperature. So you want something a little bit warmer than that to get in. It's not hot like a jacuzzi, so we don't want you cooking in 101, 102 degree baths, but this bathtub, we keep it at about 100. There is a thermometer on the inside. I don't rely on that thermometer so much because um, I, don't, I don't rely on that thermometer. I swish my hand in and I go, oh yeah, that tub feels nice and warm. It's not too hot, it's not too cold. Mom gets in. And um, she also, you know, will let me know how does that water feel, but we just make sure it doesn't get too hot. Um, we also, nice about having a plumbed tub versus a portable tub is that um, we frequently will drain this tub. If you're in the tub for an hour or two and then you get out and you go sit on the toilet or you get in the bed, we're gonna drain this tub, clean it out, and then refill it. So we don't like this water standing too long. We don't want bacteria growing in that tub. Um, so we're really pretty quick to keep changing the water in that tub if you're out of it for a while. We don't take you out to clean it, 
Um, sometimes we will do that if it gets a little bit too gunky. But we can drain it while you're in it and then refill it. Um, we have a medical linen company that comes in and replaces our linens once a week. So um, we are OSHA compliant. And so we have these linens that are delivered and we have our towel warmer. So when the baby is born, we have nice warm blankets for the baby. When the mom gets out of the tub, we have nice warm towels for her. And then when she gets on the bed, we have nice warm sheet to put on um, that person after to keep you nice and cozy. And those are really always lovely to have. Um, I think that might do it. And then we keep a phone in here and we have our cell phones in here. Our birth center is hardwired for a telephone. We have a landline here. Um, in the event we have to call 911, it's always easier for them to find us if we're on a landline phone. So we do keep a landline going and we can bring that phone in here if we're suspecting that, you know, well, we might need some extra help. Let's just have a phone in here at the ready. If it, for some reason the landline is not in here, you know, it's the portable handset, it is literally like three steps down the hall. Um, so yeah, that's the safety of the birth center. And then we also talk about um, what the evidence says. And we know it's been published in the British Medical Journal, the safest place for low-risk women um, has been studied and proven to be out of hospital with a trained midwife. Trained midwife, what does that mean? You know, there are nurse midwives and there are licensed midwives. Um, speaking of California, certified nurse midwives and licensed midwives. In other parts of the country, there are certified professional midwives. There are some midwives that work without a license. Um, those are traditional midwives or um, some people call them lay midwives. Um, but here in the state of California, you have to either be licensed through the medical board, which is what we are here at the Santa Clarita Birth Center, or a nurse midwife. And we have wonderful nurse midwives that do out of hospital births as well. Um, and again, another safety measure is that we are accredited, so we make sure that we adhere to very, very high national standards. And someone comes in and audits our birth center. They audit our charts. They go through my delivery trays. They go through my med fridge. They make sure their fridge is at the right temperature, that my medications aren't expired, that I have all the appropriate uh, emergency equipment and then they randomly audit my charts because I can say that I do something but am I actually doing that thing so then they'll go through my charts and analyze them and say oh yeah you are hitting all of those marks that you say you're doing um, we do uh, encourage all of our mothers to see an obstetrician at the end of their pregnancy so in the event we do have to go into the hospital in a non-emergent way we can collaborate so we'd like to have that um, if it's possible. We work with perinatologists, we work with um, chiropractors, acupuncturists, massage therapists, all of those things prenatally. Um, so there you go. I hope that's helpful for those that are really concerned about what happens if there's an emergency. So we follow very strict guidelines. We have emergency personnel that are two minutes away. We have a hospital that's right down the street. We have a non-emergent hospital about 10 minutes south of us. Again, we have IV fluids, IV antibiotics, anti-hemorrhagics. Um, moms are eating and drinking and ambulating on their own. If for some reason we feel like baby's not tolerating labor or mother's not tolerating labor and it's no longer, it's looking like it might not be safe, we just go to the hospital. We're not out of hospital or bust. We're not, we're not attached to where you have your baby. We are attached that you have good care, that you're well-informed, 
and that mother and baby are safe and healthy. So that's our paramount concern. So I hope that helps and um, feel free to share this with any family members that are concerned. And um, any questions or concerns, of course, you can always email us at the Santa Clarita Birth Center.com, scvbirthcenter.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Check out our podcasts as our special social media person has done some magic in the background and somehow you can listen to these things. Um, that's super cool. Uh, and there you go. I hope you guys have a great day. Thanks for listening.